Hello everyone and welcome to Celebrating Cinema. This is a new series, Future Frames. In this series, we'll be featuring filmmakers of our pick. In this series, each of our hosts, myself, Kiriko, Hugo, Tom, and our new host, Sophie, will be interviewing each on our own, a filmmaker whose images we love to see more and more of and claim the screen. In this series, it's gonna be Dutch-based filmmakers. It's going to be done in English with this idea of an international audience from wherever you are being able to access the talent that's here in the Netherlands. For my first pick, I've chosen a Rotterdam-based photographer turned filmmaker, Ashley Rutgers. Welcome, Ash. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Ashley, for joining. I first came across your films at Id for Meets. I watched Celestial Spaces, a meditation of liberation practices, and I was truly moved by it. Just sort of, I think, having watched a lot of what is available to watch the images you create are very elegant and they really capture sort of a very natural human beauty um and we'll get into that a bit more about how you're able to do that coming from a background of photography but maybe let's start by what's the first film that you ever watched or you remember watching thank you that was really some nice words thank you so much <laughs> um so i was thinking about this like what i remember from like childhood when I started watching a lot of films. And my mom has always been obsessed with films and series and everything. Uh, so she would always get these like burner DVDs, like these sort of bootleg DVDs, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we would just watch everything. <laughs> uh, but I think one of the first films that really like uh, spoke to me, which is going to sound sort of offbeat, is um, Charlie's Angels. Really? Really. Every time I say this, people are like, what? <laughs> um, it's because, I mean, I was very young yeah. uh, at the time. It's, you know, it's questionable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we had it on VHS and um, I just thought it was so badass. I was yeah. like, you know, back then I wasn't aware of like all the, you know, sexism. or I wasn't even aware of what that even meant. I was just like, wow, these are some badass women like fighting off men and they're winning. And the, um, the sort of absurdity of the film I don't know, really stuck with me. And I would like watch this film all the time. Like, really? yeah, honestly, again, like shout out to my mom for <laughs> allowing me <laughs> to watch that. Um, but it, it was like the first film where I was like, oh, this is amazing. And like the use of music and like all these scenes, they were sort of like so crazy. Like it was so unexpected. The way the film progressed is like so unrealistic, obviously. But like back then I was like, whoa. So that was the first film where I was like, yeah. That's sick. But back then I had no idea I would ever like get into film or because I don't come from a from a artistic household at all. Before we get into your background, yeah. sort of into filmmaking, mm -hmm. it's funny that you mentioned Charlie's Angels because mm -hmm. it sounds like there's already there an influence of this idea of the female gaze, maybe this idea yes. that excites you, which you see in a lot of your work. Yeah. Do you think that's something, an aspect that perhaps really stuck with you when watching this film just to see females in a different kind of role than you were perhaps used to growing up? Yeah, I think so. I think even now I still really enjoy this film, even though, you know, now we live in a very different time and we might look at it through a completely different scope. But um, I still enjoy the film because there's just so much to say about it, right? Yeah. Like even portraying females overly sexy is something that's perceived, yeah. you know, why can they not be? sexy and fight crime you know what I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. so it still is a film that kind of sticks with me but now obviously uh 
luckily, my <laughs> film days has progressed a little bit. <laughs> um, but I think it was definitely one of those things that stuck with me because when I was thinking about this, like, what is the film that influenced me? This was the only one that kept re- like coming back. Yeah, which does sound kind of odd, maybe if you look at my work. I think it's always refreshing to hear that because you don't want some sort of like old, old Western maybe or no. one of these classics, just something that perhaps will picture a different side than we see now as, as you as a filmmaker. Yeah, and it's also something I've just never been exposed to. I think mm. my mom is very much into what at the time was very like modern or like pop culture back then. Yeah. So Charlie's Angels was definitely a staple, right, of the 2000s. Um, so I never got those like old school westerns or that wasn't something I knew I had no idea talk to us about your upbringing what were your teenage years like you say you didn't come from a necessarily artistic household how did you start to dip your toes into into this world yes it's interesting I think so I'm yeah I don't come from an artistic household I grew up in uh, Arnhem Um, it's a city sort of like on the east side of the Netherlands Mm. and uh, it's a city but I grew up in the (laughs) south (laughs) very like deep south and it was very much it it felt like a village a little bit and I grew up with my mom and my brother and I don't really come from like a very wealthy household so I think art even though my mom does have a very artistic side to her Mm. wasn't really something she could explore when she was younger and also wasn't necessarily something I was exploring when I was younger I did like to express myself through music and dance. I would always be singing and dancing. And I always loved taking pictures with this like little digital camera back then. No idea how that would progress. <laughs> I was like, that's nice. Um, and then my passion for taking pictures kind of progressed when I was like 12, 13. And I uh, saved up enough money to buy my first like DSLR camera. And I would take uh, fi- pictures of my friends for Tumblr. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so I was, I was really young uh, when that started. Again, I had no idea this would be my profession 10 years down the line. But um, yeah, so that kind of started back then. Um, and I always loved making my friends just feel pretty. And I would just especially capture my, uh, even my mom or like my female friends would always yeah. be my subjects. And I just loved showing them how I look at them. So I did kind of notice like, oh, I really like this, right? It's like, this is really interesting. I would just play with it. Again, no one around me would tell me I could do that necessarily. They wouldn't tell me I couldn't, but it just wasn't a profession at all in my mind. Like it was just a sort of hobby. So that would just kind of like um, evolve, I guess. And when I was a teenager, I just got like really... Also, I think I felt really safe behind the camera because I was really insecure as a teenager. Yeah. Would you say you were introverted? I was, yes. I still, I think I, I can be very social, but I am a very introvert person yeah. still. Um, and I felt really safe behind the camera. And I was just very insecure because I grew up in a very uh, predominantly white space, mm. which kind of made me question my, you know, as a, as a black woman, uh, my features. So I was very much, you know, I started straightening my hair. Like I think a lot of, especially a lot of, uh, I think, biracial black women, I'm always like trying to find the right terminology um struggle with that I think black women as a whole but um I yeah you kind of just want to kind of fit into that beauty standard so I felt really insecure and um I would always take pictures of my friends and it just made me feel safe and then at one point I was like why am I always taking pictures of other people back then even when I because I was quite good at school actually so I wanted to maybe become a lawyer or something and my mom wanted me to become a lawyer because my my brother is a bit more troublesome so I was like the kid that was supposed to do like do it all right yeah. and then I um graduated high school and I 
went to this like management school and my soul died. Oh, really? Yeah, I was like, no, this is not for me. This is not for me at all. And then I actually ended up going to art school because the camera had always been there. And I was like, oh, this is actually, I like this. And, you know, let me actually see what this is. And um, look at me now. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Maybe before we touch into what art school is like, Mm -hmm. we like to sort of mark different times in our lives by films. What would you say is a film that sort of marks your coming of age or a film that, yeah, stuck with you then? I find it a really hard question because I was like, I mean, we just talked a little bit about Twilight. Yeah. That definitely <laughs> stuck with me. I was, I was obsessed with Twilight. <laughs> uh, and my mom loved sci-fi and, uh, yeah. I would, and rom-coms. So that yeah. would kind of be the two things I would see the most. But I was trying to think of like, um, I think Black Swan really. Really? Yeah. That's a nice film. Yeah, too. but I was really afraid of it. Yeah, and I, think I can I really, imagine. Yeah, I learned to love that film, but that kind of came out when I was like 14, I think. So that was interesting. Black Swan was definitely a staple film. A lot of Marvel, yeah, Twilight, yeah, <laughs> everything. Kind of, I think my still to this day, my my taste in films is is very random. So it should be, I think. Yeah, you should learn to love as many films possible. I think so too. You should appreciate you should the craft. Own way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, everything sort of. But there's no specific film where I'm kind of like that marked my teenage years. Maybe Twilight. Twilight, I think, same for a lot of people. Right? Yeah. So we found out as well. Yeah. <laughs> What was art school like with that sort of decision to pursue photography? Sort of what were your motivations? Obviously, you say management yeah. school strained your soul a bit. Yeah. What? I heard your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, horrible. I died back then. <laughs> what sort of pushed you to take it more seriously for yourself? Yeah, so I think I just realized, so I was doing everything right. And, yeah. uh, you know, I had my grades and whatever. And I just realized, like, damn, if I keep doing this, this is what my life is going to turn into. That is scary. And I only had my camera. And then I was like, I had a gap year and I didn't know what to do. And then I went to art school. Actually, it all kind of just came from I don't know what to do Mm. sort of energy. And I actually didn't quite enjoy school anymore back then. But I kind of had to because my parents would have not been happy if I would have, you know, dropped out completely. So then art school... Uh, happened in Rotterdam so that's when I moved to Rotterdam back in 2019 no that's not true 20 (laughs) back in 2016 whoa 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 (laughs) I've been living there for a while and uh, I think the school itself I think our school is an interesting space yeah there's a lot to um, you know critique about it's definitely not the most healthy space yeah Uh, they definitely like they're just trying to kind of push you to be the best version but there's just too many people I guess to kind of really stick to that to really mm. look at an individual and be like mm. what do you need mm. um and again uh I was in a very white um space yeah like the curriculum everything was very white driven and white centric yeah white centric exactly and the teachers were very which isn't you know not necessarily bad but especially because my art was progressively starting to become a little bit more about my identity it felt really odd sometimes to have to discuss, you know, we were still discussing black beat mm. back then and people were still, dis- you know, it's very triggering sometimes to have those people as your peers. But the one thing I really loved about art school is that I was just exposed to an artistic sort of free space for four years. Mm. I just had time to kind of be, because I didn't, I didn't go to photography, actually. I didn't do photography. I did lifestyle oh, really? transformation design. 
What is that? Right? <laughs> everyone, always, everyone asks this. Um, it's sort of, it's this study. It's very like a broad sort of study to get the basics in a bunch of different medium, sort mm. of like, it was just very free, but with a little bit of a commercial undertone, kind of okay. like uh, conceptualizing more. So I wouldn't call it like a fine art study, but it did kind of border that in a way. And um, they would just kind of let me do my thing, especially at the time they were restructuring the whole program. So I was just like, this is perfect, <laughs> right? And I kind of realized in the first year that it was going to be photography for me. And I actually did nothing else but photography, even though I have a bachelor in design now. <laughs> and um, I had the opportunity to go to Berlin for my internship. Oh, wow. Amazing internship I did. And then I went to New York uh, to do my minor in critical studies. Like all of these things I never would have imagined mm. me doing mm. back when I was younger. So I think that's where I'm very grateful or to just have this sort of art school experience, I would do it all again, yeah. actually. Yeah, no regrets. It seems like, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but just from what I encounter, sort of delving into this path of artist, filmmaker, photography, it seems to open up a lot of doors very fast or a lot of opportunities faster than yeah. you can imagine if you were, say, as a lawyer or in business. It feels like there's less of a ladder to climb in the sense course there's a ladder in every industry but once you are able to get your foot in the door yeah. a lot of opportunities sort of come your way and you sort of open up to a whole new perspective of who you are in this space yeah no definitely and I think the thing that I loved most about it as well is the people around mm. you like you can't really find these people if you're not well you can of course but <laughs> you know it's, it comes very naturally to you if these are your friends yeah. and they're yeah. all kind of pursuing a career in arts, not necessarily the same thing, but everyone is kind of trying to go into this crazy business. And that is just something I'm still now, my friends now are still the same people from back then. So I'm so grateful yeah. for that. And they humble you and they question you. And yeah. that's, that's the perfect thing. It feels less of a rat race or this competition between each other, more of a collaborative yes. journey. 100%. Yeah, yeah. I will talk a bit about sort of the team you've kept with you. And the films you made, but yeah. your graduation film, Khoi Pine, mm -hmm. sort of really, you already get this idea that filmmaking is perhaps something that comes up quite naturally to you in the sense of crafting an image, being able to tell a story that just different. There's no sort of conventional narrative structure, but maybe first describe or explain what this film is because it's very personal to you. Yeah, yeah. And we can discuss a bit sort of what it felt like to watch it and sort of the ideas and how you're already able to come up with these images. Thank you. So I was doing photography all throughout the studies. Um, and then I just kind of felt like I just wanted to make something moving, like a moving mm. image. Like I needed these pictures to come alive, sort of. Yeah. So my graduation film, Hui uh, Pain, started from this idea to have these sort of photos come to life, these sort of like locked settings coming to life instead of like the camera necessarily like chasing something. Also because I had no idea what I was doing mm. also. At all. So I wanted to uh, talk about what it was like for me to grow up. Yeah. Because uh, at first I was like, oh, I want to tell so many stories and I want to find other women to tell their stories. But I was like, you know, who am I to kind of go into other people, their stories, specifically at that moment in time. So I just decided to take myself sort of as the, the subject. And I created this 
It's sort of abstract also. Like, yeah. there's no conventional, like you said, storyline at all. But I wanted to also create this almost fictive... Um, I haven't talked about this in a while. <laughs> I'm trying to see how I can describe this process. It was very hard because um, actually the people guiding me through this process in the school were not very supportive mm. because it's unconventional. They didn't really understand the process at all. And you sort of center it around uh, the meeting of your grandmother, right? Yeah, so, um, so I'm half black, half white, and my mom's black and my dad's white. And um, Surinamese? Surinamese, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so I grew up with my mom, and uh, my dad would be around sometimes, and his mom, so my grandma, had a very unfortunate life. So, well, she just, she's just racist. That's just yeah. kind of, you know... I don't want to talk negative about her at all. No, like she no, had no. her reasons for sure. Yeah. Not to dismiss Justify. that. Yeah. yeah Cause yeah. like, it's horrible, but imagine the hate you have in your heart, right. To yeah. have that sort of, so that was actually something that started this process. Like, ah, oh, imagine not being thick enough, right? Like this is wow. your, I'm your grandchild. That's so crazy. Yeah. So that kind of kickstarted everything. And I was like, just wondering like how, if your family, how is tradition or history stronger than me just literally being your son's yeah. daughter familial bonds yeah, yeah yeah and i was talking about it with my dad a lot at the time we have a great relationship now and uh he just took me to her because she didn't want to see me when i was younger because i'm black and he was like you know what we're just gonna we're just gonna pull up to their house <laughs> and uh, i was like let me just record this like audio and uh, me and my dad are talking we have great conversations and uh get into this house we have this very bizarre moment and the audio clipped for some reason i never had an audio clip in my life before but just the whole like it was a half an hour memo it just vanished wow only the first five minutes so like the beginning of the film you can hear her calling me by my mom's name and then be like oh no all oh, right it's ashley and um i thought i was really strong as well because like, i think a lot of the hatred comes maybe from my mom you mm. know maybe that was also I was just thinking a lot about all of these things, like being a black woman with a white man and then her being a white mom and, and then me. And, yeah. and I, also, I had no answers. I just wanted to kind of portray these thoughts and just visualize these thoughts. Yeah, that's kind of where Goeipain came from. And I used my family to kind of show their role and yeah. how that kind of went about. But I also created these very fictive we have this like amazing, lovely scene with the four of us, and that's just not real. Um, but I also wanted to play with that sort of like. And the children playing as well. And it's, uh, yeah, yeah, everything's very yeah, surreal. So, yeah. yeah, it's all yeah. fictive. But it is a real story. It's yeah. my story, but it's very much told through these like kind of, yeah, odd moving photos. What was it like to tell it then? Was it quite healing or? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a very. Uh, it's just an incredibly personal story to yeah. tell as your graduation film. Yes. So you already have that pressure of trying to process that yourself, but also trying to tell it in a way that not only you will be comfortable with, but yeah. will translate well to an audience. Right, right. No, it was, uh, it was definitely peak anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think when I was in the process, mm. I, I, have, I tend to do this thing where I'm just going, right? Yeah. I'm just like, oh, I have this idea, let's just go i'm not really thinking about the reality of things yeah. and then um you know the reality hits yeah. and i had to just have it on display and um 
that definitely made me very anxious. Uh, also because I felt like such an imposter because I never made a film before like that before. So it made me anxious, but also it was kind of healing mm. for my family. And also a lot of women of color specifically and a lot of black women came up to me crying because they uh, oh, wow. could really feel sort of how they felt growing up. This was actually screened at IFFR, right? As part uh, of the yeah, we did an IFFR uh, screening, but um, it was for the uh, Surinamese Liberation. Yeah, Surinamese Night, sort of. Yeah. It's like Young Selectors, I think it's yeah, called. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's like 2020 or something. 2021 also. And um, it was up at Willem de Koning, so my art school. It was up there for a week or something. So, and people always kind of visit these graduation shows, right? So, I didn't necessarily like anticipate on that happening because it felt a bit cocky to be like, yeah, it's going to be like, you know, uh, like who the hell do I think I am? But it did resonate with a lot of people and it just made me kind of hungry for more also. How does it feel to hear that kind of feedback? That was amazing because I, I think a lot of people, you want to, as an artist, you want to have an impact, mm. but you can't really say that or or know yeah, that you're going to have exactly. what kind of impact yeah, yeah. I, f I think it's also a weird, I, I always hate when people say those things like i just want to impact people and i'm like i get it everything impacts people of course that's what what it does but like you can't really expect it to hit like that just because mm. i'm also a black woman a woman and maybe other black women you know that's kind of a cocky approach in my mm. opinion so when that actually happened that was such a amazing thing we would just hug it out and um cry together and uh that's very healing and to kind of be with other black women like that that kind of also started a whole process for me like it felt really safe and um it was definitely a start of something but i did i did choose to not put it out publicly why was that yeah because it does feel like two person yeah because when i screened it at the young selectors everyone will be asking about my grandma. Really? Yeah. It's just like, it's such an absurd story. It's so crazy, right? Like, it's such a film plot. Like, you know, like, it feels like that specifically. But still, that wasn't where my mind drifted to when I was no. watching it. You can understand, perhaps, that there's this idea of estrangement, but yeah. it felt much more rooted around you yeah. rather than anybody else. And Definitely. sort of the influence of family for you. Because yeah. I appreciate you saying Because <laughs> <laughs> there's this one line from your dad, I think, uh, which I thought was really sweet, but also really interesting, where he says uh, that he just wants to help you turn your dreams into reality, mm -hmm. but you have to do it yourself. Yeah. And maybe could you share a bit more about that conversation and sort of this idea, again, I think it relates to why we're speaking of how, as a filmmaker, you really have to, it's only you that's sort of rooting for yourself and yeah. is able to really push yourself into making films and growing and like you said uh one of your resolutions is to make more noise about yeah. yourself yes so yeah i think that line i think kind of sums it up but maybe share a bit more about that yes i think um there's a lot of like layers to that comment right yeah it's uh definitely one that stuck with a lot of people i'm very happy that me and my dad have these very open conversations and especially I think my parents and my family don't really understand what I was doing and yeah. they still don't kind of, they're <laughs> like, yeah, she's this artsy girl. Yeah, like yeah. Lord knows what she's <laughs> up to. So when I asked them for the film, they had no idea. And the line actually was from a real conversation. That was, mm. uh, that was not acted or that was just me recording conversations in the, in the car with consent. <laughs> <laughs> do you do that a lot? 
Um, no. Or but was it just for that project? Yeah, and that project, I was just having so many deep conversations. I mean, I do think about it a lot. Sometimes I have conversations with my friends where I'm like, yeah. I wish I, I, yeah. I would have recorded that. But um, me and my dad were in the car, and um, he always says things like that, you know, without getting too much into, like, my family. Um, you know, he's a white man. Uh, period. <laughs> um, and he tries to understand things. And this is his mom. And that's really hard for him. And if I call her a racist, that's really hard for him to hear. Mm. And he wants to help me, but he doesn't quite understand these things. These very real issues. So he is a great, great person. He's like my best friend, but he sometimes can just be very blunt and realistic yeah which i also have so i i i know it comes from love so yeah it does sum it up like he helps me in every way he can help me now and uh in his way but he doesn't quite understand maybe that there's maybe more work for him to be done mm. um to understand yeah the dynamics <laughs> in this family but he tries you know and uh i Love them all so much. <laughs> uh, but the conversation, I just felt like that was very interesting because he can't help me and he won't understand yeah. how it is for me as a black woman in life, you know? It's a movie, but it's, it's my life also. Yeah, I guess it also comes across as like a visualization to all these scattered thoughts. Exactly, exactly. There's have. no answers yeah. still, you know, we're living through it. Yeah, why it's not necessarily... Uh, a normal plot line yeah exactly yeah every time i see something you do it's always like oh i would never have thought to have shot it like that or that's a new really? way yeah just like so the bicycle wheel mm -hmm. uh looking up to the sky or mm -hmm. um capturing the kids playing their hands from upside yeah. down it's just like all these different angles that have a twist that are so subtle but they make it a bit more than what it is or mm just different to what you're used to people shooting like it feels like you're a bit more playful and happy to push the boundaries a bit of what you're normally used to seeing yeah i really love playing around in photography and film because i'm not a schooled photographer necessarily i'm sort of and not at all i went didn't go to a film academy or you know so I like to have fun with it yeah. because when i went to management school that was horrible <laughs> <laughs> so now i'm like let's just have fun yeah. right and uh, these angles, I kind of, I would do that in photography. So I want it in film. For instance, the bicycle scene, the beat in the, in the bike wheel where mm. the colors of the Surinamese flag mm. and the bike is very Dutch. And then I'm just playing with this sort of, it's very obvious actually, but it isn't. It, yeah, Yeah, exactly. you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Are you consciously aware of this as you're coming up with it or these just ideas yeah. that pop? Because... I think it's always hard for people to understand whether these are sort of spontaneous ideas or um, serendipitous yeah. impulses that people have or whether they're very deliberate in the things that they're thinking about and capturing. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very deliberate, I, I, I think. I'm a very deliberate maker. <laughs> uh, and detailed-oriented. Yes, yeah. very, very. I think, you know, those things like a bike, is, it's like such a thing for Dutch culture, right? Mm. And then the Surinamese beads in it. There's you can kind of dissect that as a whole yeah, thing. Yeah. They're very deliberate. And maybe I'm not as deliberate in like all these specific notions, like what I'm saying, like, you know, someone came up to me because it was also screened at the new institute. Um mm, yeah. 
they had all these theories, right? These were these like sort of masters also in film and amazing, of course. And they had all of these sort of analogies about that scene. And that isn't something like I didn't go into that deep. So making the scene, I'm like, yeah, this is very specific to me. But then when people even go even, yeah, yeah, that's, you know, that's just something that's lovely about film. If I could, I would do the same thing with uh, photography as well. That's why I love film because there's just so much more going back and forth about these things. What are sort of some images throughout films that you've watched that really stick with you or that you um, keep returning to? Such an interesting question. There's different movies for different reasons. So, for instance, one of the films that really, that was maybe the first film where it was like, oh, I can really see myself in this, mm. was Waves. Have you? Uh, no. Yeah, it's very, it's a bit American. It's a very interesting coming of age story Yeah, about family dynamics and about brother and sister dy- dynamics as well. So that was actually a film that really stuck with me story-wise. And images-wise, this is going to sound really, really horrible, <laughs> cliche or, you know, but I don't really go into like, I don't go to a film and like, oh, wow, I want to, I don't save the shots or, you know, I'm, I'm on shot deck, of course. <laughs> Love that. Uh, shout out Shot Deck. Sponsor me. <laughs> um, of course, I love watching. And of course, you're inspired by them. Perhaps they lie more in the subconscious of when Yeah. You're Maybe now. Now I do kind of look at like, wow, how did they do that? Or how does that work? Or why is there a wall there? Or why? But I think when I started, because it started off so playful, I didn't really actually like the shot list for Hui Pine was like, oh it was so horrible <laughs> and these random scribbles because i can't draw at all <laughs> and i had to ask someone to redraw them and they still look kind of trash so that's where that came from and i like this whole locked image idea and then other people are like oh yeah you should see this and this really reminds me of that and like oh yeah okay i see that and i get that obviously i'm not the first one to do any of these things but i don't intentionally like that's just not how i went into the filmmaking. Mm. Um, if that makes sense yeah. without sounding like oh I don't draw of course <laughs> I do and I think a lot of my inspiration comes more from photography and there's a few films like for instance I mean Scorsese always hits and um, I just watched The Menu which I loved yeah. I love Christopher Nolan of course but all of these things are so yeah for different reasons no real direct link to, to what n- you're making no but, yeah. no but also maybe maybe there is yeah. or maybe there isn't um, so I always find that the hard, hardest question, like, what is your inspiration? Mm. I always just like to take these photos with my iPhone when I see things, or I like to recreate things I think of with my friends. And then I'm like, I go to the DOP be like, can we do this? Or can <laughs> we, <laughs> is this possible? So I think maybe when, as I get older and as I learn more, I will look differently into that, but I'm I'm not really the one to like have a list of sources. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was hoping you didn't ask me this question. <laughs> I was like, shit, it's they're okay. gonna know. <laughs> <laughs> the next film I want to talk about mm-hmm. is Celestial Spaces, a meditation on liberation practices. Yes, because this is of course how I was first introduced to you. This was at It for Meets with Tierno. Yes, and I think if I'm correct, you introduced this film as sort of your first big, or not big, but like commission film as a director yeah and this was with stephanie Afrifa. yeah right yeah and yeah maybe just explain a little bit about what it was so i graduated and then like COVID happened and stephanie 
was chosen to create this space. She had this idea of a meditation on liberation practices, and she wanted to create this online, because it was all online because, you know, COVID. She wanted to create this safe space for black women. And she was talking to me about it. We weren't really like, there was an intention for me to be the director necessarily. We just kind of became friends back then, and we were talking about it. And from that conversation, we did realize that, oh, maybe I would be a good fit. Mm. And she really trusted me with that, which was such an amazing thing on her side as well, because yeah. I literally hadn't done anything like that before. Yeah. And she completely trusted me with visualizing these things. So she had some ideas of what she kind of wanted it to be like. And then, you know, I gathered Sammy to get on this project with me. Who's your DOP, right? That's a DOP, yeah. Sammy Alhesini. He's great. And he also shot Pine. I just had these ideas, which kind of similar to Pine, with these like locked uh, frames as well. And these sort of playful ways to... Because it would just be like these long practices of someone dancing or this long practice of someone pole dancing or mm. braiding or... Yeah, it's and, around dancing, braiding and yeah, pole dancing. Yeah, yeah, and there's also a roping one. So there, there would be like rooms in the online space. So that was definitely the first time I worked with someone like that, but still got the... Full artistic license. Yeah, yeah, that was really nice. Of course, like Stephanie, we were in it together. But of course, I look at it from a sort of maker point of view and she was conceptually making sure that everything was in it. So that was a lovely, lovely project. I'm very happy with that project. This is why I chose you as sort of the future frames person I would like to speak with because so I watched braiding mm-hmm. at IDFA and it's perhaps a practice not necessarily all of us are familiar with right. and definitely don't know in an intimate way that black women would do mm-hmm. but the way that you capture it I think sort of not only symbolizes the films or the kind of themes that you like to explore right. but also the kind of images that I think people really want to see and would be able to connect with and maybe connect with a different kind of audience with this braiding sequence, it's about five minutes long, I believe. Yeah, yeah. It really captures sort of the black joy, framing womanhood. And there's this one line, bonding through one of life's most underestimated love languages. Yeah. And that kind of, to me, by the end of it, summed up what you're experiencing. Yeah. I was after that thinking, wow, I would really love this filmmaker just to share more and more about stories that are personal to them or mm. their experiences and open them up to a wider audience that yeah. can sort of help people to just have a window into this world that they're not perhaps used to seeing on a big screen. Yeah, no, I hear that for sure. The spoken word artist we work with, mm. Alida, wrote this. She's amazing. And she really captured what we were trying to tell with mm. this practice. And what's also great to know is that the... There's so many black women involved in yeah. that specific uh, sequence. I mean, in the whole production, but specifically that one was yeah. very interesting. And we d- also decided to keep it sort of, it was very joyful, but it was also sort of fashion-y. Like it was... Well, it was artistic. Yeah. I think that's the first time I've seen, and maybe that's just because of what kind of content I consume or mm-hmm. open myself up to, but seeing braiding as some kind of art form, yeah. especially with the final image of these two women with... Their hair yeah, and these gorgeous. Sort of- Kiana Williams, amazing hair artist. Yeah, no, definitely. I think there's been a lot of, especially back then, there were a lot of um, braiding videos and films. Mm. And I think, you know, there's a reason for that. Yeah. Because, you know, I have my hair braided right now. 
And that's a returning practice. Yeah. And, you know, I was getting my hair braided on Friday and it's the most therapeutic session. Yeah, I can and imagine. it's so nice. Yeah. And um, we all have this experience. And to just talk about that is great. Like, I, I mean, everyone's like, oh, no, not another one, you know? Like, yeah. when, like, now there's a lot of black culture being visualized in these films, right? And they're like, oh, I've seen it, or, uh, right? Yeah. But that's just because there hasn't been any of that noise back Before. then. Yeah. We've seen a lot of the same white things, you know? But for some reason, that's just too much for some people, <laughs> right? That's so interesting. That's such an interesting. They've comment. seen it once and now they think they don't need to see it. Yeah. Again, or there's nothing new to it. But yeah. Exactly. Like, yeah. of course, there's, there's, there's just layers to everything. And of course, it's been an easy out for some people to maybe be like, oh, I saw this, let's copy it or, yeah. you know, but who, who am I to say that anyways? I think that specific sequence, I'm really happy that also impressed you back then. <laughs> I'm very happy with that one. And also just the way we filmed that, it was such a challenge. Uh, it was amazing. Yeah. So maybe share about the sort of stories you want to tell as a yeah. filmmaker, because like I said, when I saw these images, these are the kind of images I would love to see more and more especially from you just because of the way you tell it mm -hmm. but perhaps share sort of what are your aspirations for filmmaking why why did you sort of cross over from photography to filmmaking i actually want to get into fiction more but always keep this sort of playful approach i want to talk a lot about family actually mm. and specifically about brother and sister relationship is a project i've been working on for a really long time <laughs> but you know it takes forever um i want to tell stories from my side of things and these sort of softer stories, I guess. I have this conversation like every week with just random people that are like, yeah, I want to tell these stories from the less fortunate or da-da-da. Mm. So odd, right? Yeah, when people yeah. say those things. And then I'm like, I don't really want to tell anyone else's story but what I know. And that's also debatable, of course, but I like to keep it sort of close to me and how I see things. And then no one can tell anything about that because it's mm. my perception. So those are stories I want to talk more about, just about being also more like joyful black experiences. Yeah. We live in a very like, I think because now it's all very recent that like black makers have had a bigger yeah. stage, yeah. I guess, or just more presence. People are just now seeing that we're here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, hi. <laughs> and um, uh, there's a lot of pain to be talked about which is important, but it's also important to talk about black joy. Also, I'm still a photographer as well, mm. more into like black sexuality because we just need more, Yeah, right? There's just a database that we don't have. That's why everyone's like, oh my God, more braiding. No, we just need more. Yeah. We need to make sure that we can individualize black people. And, and uh, change the narrative. Yeah. Or percept. For sure, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and to be like, a black woman, there's so many layers to that as well. Yeah. Me and Stephanie are completely different people. Yeah. But we bonded on this project, but we're also still completely different people. And I think a lot of people can really comprehend that sort of, we're still in those like early stages of just like black people having more layers. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, so I want to talk more about that. I want to talk more about black people ha having sex. I want to, well, not like that, but like, <laughs> let me put that <laughs> differently. Black sexuality, black love, black joy, to the extent that I feel I am comfortable with as well. Mm. I'm still also, you know, uh, half white. Yeah. So I don't feel comfortable being 
the soul sort of, you know. I'm just always kind of very aware of who am I to tell these stories, whether it's photography or film. I guess it keeps you grounded and sort of yeah honest with yourself. Yeah. Like you said, I always think, and I agree with you, most personal stories are often the most relatable because they feel the most authentic or honest. Yeah. And I think if you keep reminding yourself of that, then you will never stray away from the stories you want to tell. Exactly. And that can take on so many different, mm. literally different ideas. It doesn't mean that I'm always going to be talking about the same girl or the same, yeah. you know, there's, there's so many ways to talk about what's happening. You know, I'm also talking about the trend of like spirituality right now or like what that means to, in relation to like mm. art and culture and, you know, how this sort of new... There's so many interesting things happening with spirituality being so accessible, for instance. And, you know, there's just so much to talk about. So I want to tell those stories. I also want to not make it all. I have this tendency for it to kind of be a little bit heavy. Uh, I want to always keep it sort of raw and vulnerable. But maybe one day it can be a bit more funny and light. (laughs) But we'll see. A rom-com maybe. Whoa. (laughs) Who knows? Um, But I'm very excited about all of those things. Mm. But I think uh, it will always be a sort of a little bit like surrealistic and always a bit abstract. I think that's just me as a maker. Whether it's a film or photography, I just like to kind of move in that angle. Yeah. Like Atlanta, for instance, amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Have you watched Random Acts of Flyness? I actually started, I still have yeah, to... It's crazy. Yeah? Yeah. I still need to finish it. And I, I mean, also the menu, for instance, I thought it was sick. Such yeah. a different story, but like this way of storytelling is so interesting. There's such a new way of telling these stories that's kind of popular right now, like Triangle of Sadness yeah, as well. Yeah, or it reminds you that there's just still so much to be explored. You or, can just do yeah, whatever. Yeah, you think a story's been told in so many different ways, but there's always another way to tell yeah. it. And it's really hard yeah. as well to kind of, before I saw these stories, I was like, oh, can I do that? Yeah. Can I, you know, people are like, no, <laughs> that's not how it works. Or you should go and study this and that, which of course could benefit me in some ways. But I think um, it's amazing to kind of see these directors mm. just playing with it. Mm. And I sort of the worst person in the world. That was yeah. maybe one of Beautiful the best film. films. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Like these are stories I kind of want to look into yeah. more, but just, you know, these sort of real stories of being maybe a 20-something-year-old and just trying to figure it out. You know, being a black woman, always, I always get asked for the same thing, like, hey, you're a black maker and we need a black maker. Like, there's so many funny things that are just here to explore. And what are sort of some of the obstacles you face now as a filmmaker wanting to make your own stuff? I'm sure sort of a common one will be funding and access yeah. to funding. <laughs> But maybe <laughs> maybe there's others that people sort of underestimate that you have encountered. I think for me, it was very much just, I was my sort of biggest obstacle. It's mm. going to sound really cliche, but uh, <laughs> it was, and it still is. I mean, so I'm, I do a lot as a photographer. So people know me as a photographer. To switch into directing, I just struggle with that sometimes where I'm like, oh, do I know enough? Or... Um, you know, am I... Imposter syndrome. Yeah, imposter syndrome to some extent. Because deep down, I know. I know. Yeah. Like, otherwise, I wouldn't be chasing it, of yeah. course. I know I'm very much meant to do this. Um, so that's very hard, I think, mentally, to just kind of put yourself out there, to just say what you want, chase these people, send these people emails, and just kind of 
I remember when I first said I was a photographer, I wouldn't even get the word out of my mouth. Like mm. I was like, I'm a, I take photos sometimes, <laughs> you know, and I, I like to direct sometimes, but just to kind of own those phrases, of yeah. course I am. Yeah. Even if you shot one photo, maybe you are. Maybe if you shot one video on your iPhone, maybe you are a director, yeah. you know, like, of course, to some extent, appreciate the craft. But uh, so I was my own very big obstacle and I will always be. I think a lot of artists <laughs> have the same thing. A lot of people in general. That's often why they make art. Exactly. It? Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, we just don't know how to communicate. And I think just, <laughs> um, and then we realize we all don't know how to communicate. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was a big thing. Um, I think also just knowing where to kind of start. Mm -hmm. If you haven't gone to like the film academy, you don't even know oh, how this goes. Like how do I apply? How do I write a synopsis? How do I, what do I need to get the funding? It is often just starting. And um, my belief is I've never really, I think film school and art school, they're all great for certain people maybe, yeah. but so much more freedom and sort of finding your own way i agree of, yeah of course there's so much more uh anxiety that comes with yes. that because you have no no sort of metric to compare yourself no. with. but yeah i think and i think it translates in the films you made yeah you are a able to express yourself a bit more experiment more because you you haven't been taught exactly i just don't way. know yeah. <laughs> i'm just experimenting because i just don't know no i hear that i mean and everything is intentional of course yeah um but yeah, I agree. I mean, I did go to art school, but I decided to not do photography. You know, it's like yeah. all of those things kind of, because then it just, it's just very exciting to me still. Like I, every time I go to any set, I'm so excited and I don't really want to lose that. Mm. I think as soon as it becomes like a job, it's like, ugh. And so it comes across that you often are very clear in your vision of what you're wanting to create yeah. in the films you make. How do you sort of translate that or communicate that with the team you have around you because mm -hmm. filmmaking is very much a team sport. How yes. as a director, I guess you can, you're compared to the captain or the, yeah, the captain yeah. of it. So how do you sort of steer that ship and how do you sort of pick the people around you? Because what I've noticed, you sort of have the same people that you're collaborating with, yeah. which also must be quite comforting as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I do like working with certain people. I haven't been doing this for too long. And I just feel really safe with some people. And mm. I think especially as a woman in this industry, yeah. you just like to feel safe. So I've worked with the same people for many times, but I, um, I do think I need to explore that also. I, still, I also work with, there's a lot of things coming up that I'm working with different people, which is also interesting because everyone challenges you in a different way. And yeah. this is also what I love about making films in general. Yeah just this team aspect to it. That's something I really miss in photography, for instance. Mm. And for everyone to just keep you sharp at all times. Yeah. And I think, especially because I come from photography, I know a lot of technical side of things. So I understand the camera, I understand lighting. So I'm always a very hands-on person on set. Not like a, I don't, I'm not really like, oh, I want this, or, you know, like not a dickhead, <laughs> sort of. Um, <laughs> but uh, I... I know a lot of technical things. Mm. So Do you get nervous on set? No. Really? No, not yeah. on set. No. As That's soon as crazy. I'm there, I'm like, let's go. But in the process, I do get anxious. Yeah. I mean, just in approaching certain people or if something doesn't work, but I don't. Of course, I've been stressed sometimes on set when things don't work out. Like I have this whole plan and they're like, oh, we can't get the shot. Or mm. 
I am also very stubborn. I guess that maybe that's what it takes also <laughs> yeah, to be like, no, we need to do this. Yeah. And, and I mean, I'm a woman as well. I just need to speak up. Yeah. That's why I like to work with the same people many times because they respect me. And unfortunately, with a lot of, you know, male people on set, they like to test me. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. You, you experienced that? I have, yes. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I, I think that's fine also. Yeah. Like I, I tend to just not let anyone... It's whatever if you want to test me it's cool like i'll just whatever right <laughs> so that's kind of i just like to do it together one i like to be very hands-on on the visual i think like for instance i do fashion photography so i'm on styling i know what works i'm on lighting because you can't convince me that yeah. this doesn't work because i know it works yeah, lighting and set design are always so on point they're so important and i i know i have an eye for that sort of thing because of photography yeah. right and of course, I trust them to do it completely, but I love to just kind of know these things. You yeah. know, I've, I've been uh, assisting. I mean, I assisted a few times, not too many times, because I don't like it. <laughs> um, on the director sets, yeah, yeah. that is. Um, but they don't know things. And that just sounds really strange to me. Like, how do you not know which lens this is? Or how do you not know? But I guess that's a way of working to not like, uh, you know, shit on anyone yeah. <laughs> um, so I like to just really be part of those things I like to talk about it I like to be in on the gaffer and DOP meetings about the light I like to like a fun extent I don't want to I'm not a overbearing yeah but, exactly yeah. but I just want to know because mm. sometimes it just goes over your head and they're like oh she's the director but sometimes they kind of look at the director like uh, uh, yeah, yeah sort yeah. of right yeah uh, so that's how I like to work. I mean, and then I like to sketch out how I would like things to be filmed. Mm. And I'm a horrible drawer, like I said. I'm <laughs> horrible. Like, I should really get drawing lessons. And you went to art school. <laughs> uh, exactly. And I have a bachelor in design. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Um, so that's very hard for me yeah. to kind of be like, this is a person. Um, I guess I'm just hands-on. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And something we haven't spoken about mm -hmm. yet, which I think is important is, so you're obviously a Dutch filmmaker yeah. making films in the Netherlands and yet we're recording this podcast in English. Right. And even from the films that I've seen, you're also very conscious about having English subtitles. Mm -hmm. How conscious are you of sort of trying to access a wider audience and how does that help you, especially making films from the Netherlands where Dutch mm -hmm. is obviously the main language? Right. I just think that a lot of Dutch films... You know, they're they're not a great they're not a lot of great Dutch films, right? Like now they're wow. maybe they're so it's starting. The idea of this series is so that we see more and more great Dutch yeah, films. Yeah, I mean from. there's great things coming. Yeah. For sure. And there's yeah. a few really good ones, definitely. Mm. There's amazing mm. film people in the exactly. Netherlands, like crazy yeah. directors, crazy DOPs. Honestly, so much talent in this country. But I think in the Netherlands in general, we all speak English. Mm. Um and I think some Dutch people want to attempt like English filmmaking and sometimes i can just hear that yeah i just yeah. hate that i'm like wow i think i'm pretty good at speaking english but i'm still not i'm not fluent yeah. i'm not a native right yeah. i mean i'm fluent but i'm not a native <laughs> let me say it like that um so i really want to make dutch films actually because first of all there's not great stories being told not too many great stories yeah. being told like i watched i watch a lot of i don't know japanese films yeah i'm not bothered by the language no there's subtitles. All of these things, their subtitles are great. Yeah. Um, to keep it in the original language is so important. And as a Dutch person, 
that may be watching my films, you're going to understand the inside jokes a bit more, or you're going to mm. understand the context a bit more. I, it's very important for me to, for English speaking or not Dutch speaking yeah. people to still be able to enjoy this film and to also just up our game a little bit because then, you know, maybe it will be your favorite film, but it will be a Dutch film. Yeah, I think it must be so like both motivating and sort of this cool sense of you could put your, be part of a group of people that put your country on the map for filmmaking yeah, by sort of so. claiming that sort of empty space, I guess, or vacant space of, like you said, the Netherlands not yet known for making that great films right although like you said there's also so much there's talent a few amazing yeah. things yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so no for sure i'm sure that must drive you a lot yeah yeah i think i think so and i just really want to the stories i want to tell are so close to me and mm. they're also very much from the netherlands yeah. so if i tell a story about my hometown or something i just needed to be in dutch and um that's also what makes it way more real to me mm. Uh, and I just don't think language is a barrier in this day and age, right? Yeah, it's no, so crazy. No, not at all. I was in Germany the other day, and there's still dub films. I'm like, <laughs> wow, <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's a big drive for me, and it's a it's an interesting language. It's not. Yeah. I don't think it's the prettiest language, but it's an interesting language. I mean, it's your language. It's my language. <laughs> yeah. So uh, no, true. And uh, if this was a, I'm sure you're familiar with the Vogue. I think it's the Vogue Billie Eilish interviews. Yeah. Where they interview her. Yeah, I think it is it folk or fairy Yeah. Yeah, something with a V. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so say if we did something like this and we mm -hmm. came back and asked you uh three years later, what would you like to have done by then? Mm. Uh in filmmaking perhaps. Yeah. Could you give our listeners an idea of where we expect to see you as part of our future frames pick? I hope I I mean no, I'm not gonna say I hope. I will. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've made my, uh, this film I've been working on for a long time mm. about the brother and sister um, bond. A short film? Or? It's, um, we've been talking about it for such a long time, actually. Like it's been, ever since I, actually this was going to be my graduation project. But then okay. I was like, oh, you know. Needs more time. So yeah. interesting. Yeah. But also I need to do more in order for me to maybe make this film. Mm. It feels like, maybe a film I first need to maybe make another short yeah. for this to, you know, yeah. to just really be as good as it kind of needs to be. Yeah. Uh, it just feels like a very important project for me, but I hope that will be made by then. Mm. Um, very interesting. Yeah. I'm not going to say too much about it because no. I don't want to raise the stakes that are not <laughs> there yet. Yeah. Uh, so I hope I have made that and um, I hope I, I will just balance work life. Yeah. Because um, right now, all I do is like work and think about that and so much anxiety about just building things up, right? You're still hustling as a freelancing. I'm still hustling. Yeah, like it's going well now, but like it still gives you so much anxiety because you have no stability. So I hope I have that. And uh, yeah, I hope I, I want to always combine sort of, I would still also love to make fashion campaigns, mm. but kind of bring this extra layer to it, the way I like to see things. And um, still also a photographer. I just see this, I see it all just progressing into a more, a bigger sort of, it will all just evolve. So yeah, the film is definitely on my mind. And I think, I hope I just uh, feel very happy and comfortable being a maker. Well, in three years time, I hope we'll be able to watch that here in the cinema. So Ashley, I want to say thank you so much. Hopefully our listeners have learned a bit more about you as a filmmaker and why you've been picked as part of our future frames 
filmmakers. Like I said, I'm really excited to see the images you're able to create and all these feelings and topics you're able to convey and just the personal stories and experiences you have to share. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for great questions and great conversation. Really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to this Celebrating Cinema series, Future Frames. Make sure to listen to the rest of the crew's conversation. We'll be releasing one episode of Future Frames every week during March. So please leave a review on whichever platform you listen to and share so more people can discover both us and our future frame makers. In our show notes, we'll of course include links to their work and how you can follow and support them as they continue on their journey. You can also check this in the episode description on whichever platform you listen to. Feel free to send in any questions and suggestions to celebratingcinema at lab111.nl and follow us at lab111 on Instagram. As always, we provide show notes, including all films mentioned and links to the filmmaker's work at celebratingcinema.com. This was a Lab 111 production, edited and produced by Elliot Bloom and Yvonne Gisi, with music from Hugo Emazal and artwork by Studio FFF. Thank you very much for listening, and until next time.